Amen. Amen. Good to see all of you this morning. Wow, you're a good-looking group. That's what I say every week, right? First Peter chapter 1 this morning, beginning at verse 10. First Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 10. Looking forward to going out with the men of our church for some barbecue after our service is over this morning. 59 men. 59 men. Yes. Thank you, Lord. I don't care what size church to have 59 men go to anything. It's cool. It's very cool. So... Guys, we're looking forward to that. So, when we started this series a couple weeks ago at the beginning of the year, we we were sharing that this is a letter that Peter just sort of sums up a lot of what he learned through his Christian walk. At the end of his life, he's sharing a lot of wisdom, things that he learned by the experience of walking with Christ and, and following him in his life. And the very first week we talked about our identity because Peter says it really starts with us understanding who we are in Jesus Christ. And then he moved last week to the importance of living with confidence. And we talked about faith and hope and how they're in some ways similar and in some ways they're different and how it's so important that we we live with confidence. God wants us to have that that confidence as his children as we walk through life. Today, he wants to build on that and he wants to talk to us about living with clarity. Because really, if we're going to live with confidence, we've got to live with clarity as well. It's the clarity of knowing where we're going, what we're supposed to be doing, how we're supposed to be doing it that really begins to interweave and build with the confidence that we have through our faith and trust in, in God. So that's what he's talking to us about today. Living with clarity. A constant clarity. And, and he's going to begin by sort of sharing a couple examples with us to inspire us. Because these are examples that the Word of God gives us of, of two different groups of people who went to great lengths and, and great effort in order to obtain a better perspective in order to bring clarity to their lives, if you will. The first one he talks about are the prophets. Notice what he says about the prophets. In verse 10, he says, concerning the salvation, this salvation that I've you know, so wonderfully reminded us all about, He said, let's not forget the prophets. These prophets of the Old Testament predicted the grace that would come to you. And and as they did this, notice, first of all, they searched, they investigated, and then in verse 11, they probed. Let's look at these words a little bit carefully this morning because they remind us again of the great lens that the prophets went to to obtain a better perspective about the things that God was revealing to them about. The word searched here means to, again, exert great effort and care about something. To exert great effort and care. 
The word investigate means to explore exhaustively, to gain enlightenment. In fact, this was a word that was used by the Greeks when they talked about people digging out treasure. And and it reminds us that, you know, certainly there are some gems, if you will, in God's word that he lays right on the surface. But a lot of the great truths and gems that bring clarity to our lives are things that we have to be willing to put forth some effort and dig out these gems, if you will. Because they're not all lying on the surface of the word of God. And that's exactly what he said the prophets did about certain things, specifically here, the Messiah. And so he says, first of all, they searched. They exerted great care and effort. Then they investigated. They explored exhaustively to gain enlightenment as digging out treasure. And then in verse 11, he says, they probed. They made a thorough examination. You see, it almost would be like, you know, a forensic pathologist or somebody who's examining and has to go through a, a thorough examination to make sure they didn't miss anything. Peter's saying this is the way the prophets of the Old Testament approach God's revelation to them. And as I began to study this and read this, I thought to myself, wow, this is a challenge for all of us as Christians. Even as we approach the word of God. Do we really want clarity? Because I think God gives it to us, but we have to put forth some effort, if you will, to make sure that we are living with that constant clarity. And sometimes that means we need to have a better perspective. And that's going to take some effort on our part, you see. So many Christians today, you know, they, they want, in a sense, the enlightenment and the clarity that God's Word can bring, but they don't want to put forth any effort, in order to obtain that for themselves. And we have to be willing to do that. In fact, notice he goes on to say in verse 11, these prophets probed into what person, who the Messiah was going to be, and the time. When was he going to actually come? And and they did this by the Spirit of Christ within them, you see, who was indicating when he testified beforehand about also the sufferings that would be appointed for Christ, the Messiah, and his subsequent glory or exaltation. In other words, so God was giving them all this revelation about the coming Messiah. And they're like, man, this is amazing that God is revealing this to us. But we've got to probe a little bit further to find out exactly who the Messiah is, exactly when he's going to come and to try to reconcile all that God is giving us because God is telling us that Messiah is going to suffer and be exalted. And is this going to happen at different times? Is this going to happen at the same time? And obviously the prophets didn't have what we have in that we were able to look back at this point and it all sort of falls into place and makes sense for us. But the Messiah hadn't come yet. So, you know, they're trying to take what God's giving them and to have this clarity about the Messiah. And in order to do that, they had to be willing to search, to investigate, and to probe. 
That even though God revealed this truth to them in order to put all these different sort of pieces of the puzzle together so that it made sense and and made a clear picture, they had to put forth this effort. And then notice what Peter says about these prophets. Verse 12. They were shown that they were serving not themselves, but you. In other words, God even revealed to them through His Spirit. Look, the things that you're writing down that's going to be part of God's word, you're not going to see this fulfilled in your lifetime. The things that you're writing about the coming of the Messiah are going to be for future generations. So you even think about the selflessness of these who gave such effort, knowing that in a sense, they personally might not benefit from the things that they were going to write down about the coming Messiah, but they were doing it to minister to others who would come along later on down in history. They were serving not themselves, but you, in regard to the things now announced to you through those who are now proclaiming the gospel, the good news to you, by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. So the first group that Peter says, hey, These people should be an example to us of people who went to great lengths to obtain a better perspective in order to bring clarity to their life about what God was saying to them and revealing to them that actually they weren't even going to personally see in their own lifetime, but they still wanted to bring clarity to this because they knew that this was going to benefit future generations. Then he talks to us, he just throws it in a little bit about the angels. And this fascinates me. Because we know that the angels, obviously, unlike the prophets, never had to approach God by faith. That that they have always been able to see with the eyes that God created for them as an angelic even being, who God is and to be in his presence. So... When they began to hear about the plan of salvation and that the God, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, that they had worshipped ever since they had been created was somehow going to now leave for a time the glories of heaven, take upon himself humanity and even go to a cross and allow those he created to crucify him and put him to death. The angels just have always been fascinated by this. And Peter writes about this when he says, these are also things not only that the prophets looked into, but he says in verse 12, the angels long to catch a glimpse of. This words, these words long to catch a glimpse of mean to look into more closely or carefully because of a passionate desire to comprehend. The angels have a passionate desire to comprehend what God is doing, not for them, but for us who have obtained salvation. And they have such a passionate desire to comprehend that they keep looking into this whole salvation thing more closely and carefully. This word also means that they have a desire not only to comprehend, but they have a willingness to inconvenience themselves to obtain a better perspective. 
That's what the words mean in the Greek. Long to catch a glimpse of. They are willing to inconvenience themselves for a time in order to obtain a better perspective on this. It would be like, you know, you and I physically, if we were somewhere, say, in a crowd, and there was something going on out there, and, and, and there were people in our way, that, that we might have to, you know, inconvenience ourselves and, and either walk quite a distance or walk up somewhere or something to get a different place to be able to view something so that we have a better view. This is the picture that Peter is painting of the angels who are so fascinated by what God has done for humanity that they continue to try to understand it more and comprehend it more and, and, and look at it more and, and turn it and, and, and just how can I get a better handle on this? So again, Peter starts out this passage on the importance of living with constant clarity by giving us two examples. The prophets and the angels. And he says in both cases, in both cases, these two groups of people are so passionate about understanding what's going on. Even though it doesn't directly affect them, that they will go to almost any length in order to get that clarity. To get that comprehension. And so I think Peter is saying... What kind of effort are we as followers of God who are directly affected by what he's revealed? How often do we put forth such great effort in order to truly get to the bottom of what God has revealed so that we can live with not only a constant confidence, but a constant clarity in our life? I think a lot of Christians don't want to put forth that effort. Which is why many Christians struggle with they're confused about what God wants. They live in sort of a spiritual cloud or cloudiness or fog for much of their Christian life because they don't have this clarity that God desires us to have. And so now that Peter has sort of tried to inspire us with these examples, he gets right down to it in verse 13 by telling us how we can have this clarity. And notice what he says in verse 13. Therefore, based upon what I have just said about the prophets and the angels, therefore, get your minds ready for action. The mind. (laughs) Now, I, I think a lot of times newer translations really, just as well as older translations, capture the original language, the original intent of the Hebrew and Greek. But every once in a while, because I grew up with the King James version of the Bible, and not the new King James, I grew up with the old King James. The these, the thous, and thuses. That every once in a while I can remember a verse... That, that was translated a certain way in the King James, and I just like it so much because it just it, it, it gives me a, a vivid picture, if you will, that maybe our modern translation doesn't because it just sort of tries to get to the, to the, you know, to the end. So 
if you would have an old King James Bible handy and you went to 1 Peter 1.13, here's the way the King James translators would have translated this to Christians. Gird up the loins of your mind. And I can remember reading that even as a young, you know, man going, I didn't know my mind had loins. But I share that today because what, what these words in the original language are trying to say really does give us a great picture for us to keep in our minds about what he's intending here when he says, get your minds ready for action. In biblical times, they wore long flowing robes and long flowing clothes. And they let them hang loose so that there would be, you know, uh, in, in the hot weather, ventilation and all of that. But if they wanted to really get down and do work or they had to, you know, move and, and be, you know, active, they had to literally tie up. They had to bring up all this loose, clo- loose clothing, including these long robes, and they had to bring them up. They had to gird them up and they would tie then all the loose clothing with a belt that would tighten it around so that they weren't hindered or hampered by all the loose clothing around them. And in other words, it allowed them just great freedom of movement. And Peter is saying, that's the way we have to approach our thinking and the way we think and how we think if we're going to have clarity in our lives as Christians. We cannot be Christians that just have all this loose thinking and loose thoughts hanging out there all the time. We cannot get into a place where, as we say every once in a while, you know, my, my thoughts are in a million different directions, and I got thoughts going here and thoughts going there and whatever. That's exactly the opposite of what Peter says is necessary for a Christian to live with clarity. I've got to pull all those loose thoughts together and I've got to bring them together and, and I've, got to, I've got to narrow, if you will, the focus of my thinking. I've got to learn to be a disciplined thinker with an unhindered mental outlook. I cannot get caught up in this and that and this thing and that thing and all that to where my mind goes in all these different directions. That's not girding up the loins of our mind. That's not getting our minds ready for action. Peter says, I must learn through the power of the Holy Spirit to become a disciplined, focused thinker and not just let my mind just run here and run there. I got to pull those loose thoughts all the time together. It's what Paul said to the Corinthians when he says, as a Christian, I have to learn to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. In a sense, he's saying, I've got to learn that I have the power of God in me to where I can take thoughts like prisoners and I can hold them captive. Instead of my thinking controlling me through the power of the Holy Spirit, I control my thinking. You see, that's why Paul said to the Philippians, if we want to enjoy the peace of God that passes all understanding, what's he say in Philippians 4.8? 
Think on these things. Think of things that are true. Things that are good. Things that are of a good report. Things that are trustworthy. Things that are noble. Things that are pure. He says if we want to experience that, this is what we have to discipline our minds to think on. It's exactly what Peter's saying. We want clarity. Clarity will not come whenever we just allow our minds to just drift and go and hear. We've got to, through the power of the Holy Spirit, get our minds ready for action. Get it to a place where we are focused and where then when God does reveal things to us, we can go. We're not hindered or distracted by all these other things, you see. Then he says, along with that, after getting your minds ready for action, by being fully sober. And sober is a good word here, because even in a physical sense, what Peter is saying is, don't allow yourself to be intoxicated by all these other things out there. Don't let your mind just take in all this other stuff. Keep your mind focused. Keep your thinking disciplined. The other thing that sober means is to be calm, clear-headed, and collected in your thinking. In other words, you know, don't freak out. (laughs) Whenever you hear of something or whatever. Stay under control through the Holy Spirit and don't let your mind just start to race and go to worst case scenario and all that. This is what Peter is saying. That's not going to provide clarity to us. And see, this is something that we have to work on, folks. This is going to have to come with great effort because many of us have developed bad habits when it comes to our thoughts and our way of thinking. And, and developing this kind of, of mind isn't going to happen overnight. But I guarantee you this. If you put forth the effort, and God is going to show up and help and support, you will be surprised at how quickly your thinking can begin to come together and remain more focused and more disciplined and to where you begin through the power of God to take control of your thoughts rather than your thoughts taking control of you. And no matter what, you will be able to stay clear-headed in each and every situation, which is how we need to be maintaining ourselves, because that's really the key to navigating many things in life. That's how people can do extraordinary things, even under great stress and pressure, whenever they keep a clear head. That even in the midst of maybe seeming disaster or whatever, how they get out of these messes is because they keep a clear head. And that's what he's saying. That's what the word sober means. And then he says, not only get your minds ready for action, not only be fully sober, but learn in your mind and in your thinking to set your hope completely, not partially, not mostly, but completely on the grace that will be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. This is so important, folks. 
Here's what Peter is saying. First of all, I'll start here. He's saying, be settled. That's what the word set means. Be settled in our unsettledness. I know y'all are looking at me like, you're just crazy. But hear me. That's why he says, set your hope on the grace that will be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Because he's saying, God has clearly revealed that on earth, we can't expect anything to be settled. And us being settled and stable isn't in our circumstances and what's happening around us on earth. Our settledness and our stability comes from God and our relationship with Him. And so Peter's saying, if I just learn to control my thinking, I will realize that I can be settled and stable even in the midst of chaos. Because first of all, I don't expect to be settled or have anything necessarily settled on earth. That's not what I'm looking for. See, Christians mess up their thinking and their perspective when they think somehow that the Bible teaches that vindication comes now. That God's going to settle all the accounts now. That God's going to straighten out everything now. And when we go through life and things don't just settle out and we don't see justice and we don't see vindication, we begin to question, wait a minute, God, why am I putting my hope in you? But God has clearly told us, well, I told you that I'm going to bring justice. And I told you one day, I'm going to vindicate my own son and I'll vindicate your faith in me. And one day I will settle all accounts. And I will set all things straight. But it's not going to come until Jesus Christ comes to rule and reign. It's not going to come now. And so that's why he says we as Christians have to get our thinking straight. We have to set our hope in looking forward with confidence to the future good that God promises will come But we don't expect it to come now in our lifetime while we're living on earth. See, earth is going to be filled with disappointment. Earth is going to be filled with loss. That's part of living in this fallen world. But what we have to look forward to and how we can be settled even in such unsettledness is because we know that day is coming. We know God is going to settle everything right. He is going to vindicate. He is going to bring justice. He's going to settle everything one day. And just as we're learning on Tuesday night now in the book of Revelation, God is moving this entire planet towards a worldwide acknowledgement of Jesus Christ. One day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, but folks, that hasn't come yet. And so that's why Peter says, set your hope not partially on the grace that's going to come when Jesus Christ is revealed. Not mostly, not 99 and 9 tenths percent. The word completely means completely. Because if you and I set our hope on anything before that, that's how we get disappointed. And then guess what? Our disappointment is disappointment with God. Well, God. How comes you didn't straighten this out? 
How comes you didn't bring justice now? How comes I don't feel vindicated? How comes you didn't give justice and all that? And we begin to lose hope. But we're not thinking clearly. Because clearly God has told us that's not where your hope should be anyway. Your hope should be in me and you should be trusting in me that one day I will do all that. But I promise to do that someday in the future, not here and now. So in verse 13 of 1 Peter 1, Peter's saying, this is the key to clarity in my life as a Christian. This is how I can live with constant clarity. By putting forth the effort that the prophets and angels did to obtain a better perspective, an accurate perspective, so that I live constantly with clarity in my life instead of, man, I don't know, my mind's going in this direction and then I'm over here. And can I just tell you, that's why even in many Christians' lives today, you see such an unsettledness and restlessness. Because they, I'll go over here, no, no. Well, that wasn't it. No, that, that's not it. I, it's so sad to watch. Because I can only imagine if you and I are like that on the outside, what's our insides look like? You know. I can do that pretty good because I used to be in that place. Can I... I know what I'm talking about, folks. This is why I'm so passionate about what I teach. Because I've lived this myself. I know the Word of God is true. Because I've been through this personally. I know what I'm talking about. I was at a place in my life where my thoughts and my thinking totally took me to a place of anxiety and stress and panic. And I had to learn through the power of God to control my thinking And to realize that I could. That I didn't have to be gripped by fear and anxiety and stress. That through the power of God, I could bring those thoughts captive. And I could control my thinking rather than my thinking controlling me. We too often, and I again, I'll share my personal experience. We too often, especially when we're alone, which is why God doesn't want us to be alone too long which is part of the reason why we need to be faithful to the house of God and to interacting with each other. Because when we get out there on our own, we start to drown in our own thoughts. Unless we get God's perspective and fill our minds with God's perspective, or else we get around godly Christians that can give us a better perspective, our perspective begins to get real warped real quick. And that's what Peter's saying. That's how we can live with clarity rather than confusion and cloudiness. And by the way, this clarity leads to something. It is a clarity that will be seen in a decisive and purposeful lifestyle. Because again, it starts in our minds, it starts in the way we think, but it doesn't end there. It always translates out into how I live my life. Which is why Peter then says this in verse 14. And I'm just going to read the entire passage. Like obedient children, do not comply, do not conform with the evil urges you used to follow in your ignorance. We know better. (laughs) 
It's like a parent when it says to a child, you, you know better than this. I taught you. That's what God is saying to his children. He's saying, look, you know better. You're not in spiritual blindness and ignorance anymore. You have my word. And so he says, don't, don't live like you used to before I came into your life. Here's clearly what God's standard is. Verse 15. But like the Holy One who called you, become holy yourselves in all your conduct. For it is written, you shall be holy because I am holy. And if you address as Father the One who impartially judges according to each one's work, live out the rest of your temporary residence here in reverence. Here's what Peter's saying. Clarity of thought leads to a clarity of life. And he's saying, when I begin to think clearly, as God wants me to think, then here's how I know where I need to go. I need to do what God's always told me I should do. And that's be like Him. Be holy as He is holy. Not perfect. Now, God is perfect. But this word holy just simply means distinct, separate, separated unto God for His purposes. Set apart to God. Useful to God. It also means to present oneself to God to use. And Peter is saying, when we begin to think clearly as Christians, this will be the guiding principle that will dominate our life that leads to a clarity in every other aspect of our lives. When we go, here's what God wants. He wants me to be holy like Him. Period. It's sort of the same thing, just in a different way of saying it, that Jesus said to his followers when he said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all those other things that you're seeking for, they'll fall into the proper place. See, the problem is today, even as Christians, we start running after this and that and this thing and that thing and this person and this movement and yada, yada, yada. And, and we forget that we've got all these loose thoughts. And, 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 and no wonder we feel like body-wise we're going in a million different directions because our minds are going in a million different directions. And Peter says there will be no peace in your life, no confidence, no clarity as a Christian if you don't gather all those loose thoughts up and bring them down to one. And one thought is being holy. Like God is holy. Being distinct. Being unique. Being set apart for God. And presenting myself to God. Because notice, he says in verse 17, don't we realize that we've only got a limited amount of time and it needs to be about God at this point. He reminds us, we are here for such a brief, short time on this earth. That's why he says, live out this temporary residence that you have here on earth 
in reverence and respect and in all of God because it should no longer then very clearly be about what I want, but what God wants. It should be very clear that it's not about my will, but it's about God's will. It's not about what I want to see. It's what God wants to see. That should be very clear to us. And when you and I get that kind of clarity in our lives, then all the other things that we have maybe worried about and been anxious about and thought about and been pulled in all these different directions about, they'll take care of themselves. When you and I simply strive to be holy as God is holy. And here's the thing. The reason why God is summoning us to holiness is because He wants to use us. He wants us to to feel and to know the joy of the God of the universe using our lives to make an eternal impact and difference in other people's lives. And folks, we won't do that by becoming like the world. We do that by becoming different than the world. We actually reach the world by being distinct, by being unique, by being set apart to God, not by being like them. Because they need to see the difference that God makes in our lives. They need to see the reality that God makes in our lives. And that only comes whenever we're living differently than they are. When our choices are different than their choices. When our priorities and interests are different than their priorities and interests. And that's what Peter is saying. And folks, again, he's saying this from his heart too. Because let's face it, Peter wasn't always a guy that was living with clarity, was he? But now he is. And he's sharing with us, and if, if you will, the secret of how he learned to live with constant clarity in his life. Because he was a guy like we all as human beings who had started in his thinking and his mind. And he had to learn to get to a point where he got his mind ready for action. Where he learned through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the Word of God to saturate his mind with God's thoughts and God's Word and God's perspective so that he could discipline his thinking And have an unhindered, undistracted mental outlook on life. And that unhindered, undistracted mental outlook was going to funnel into one primary driving purpose. Being holy. Like God is holy. And Peter said, when I found this, made all the difference in the world. Folks, God wants us to live with confidence and clarity. But it starts in the mind. And some of you may be here today and you're maybe where I was many years ago. And you may be going, I've I've tried. I've tried to get control of my thoughts. I've tried to do a better job of of disciplining my thinking and not letting my thought life just go here and there and everywhere. And 
end up in all these bad places in my mind. Don't try. We don't overcome as Christians by trying. We overcome through our spiritual growth and through training. And it's just a matter of getting back to the basics of putting forth the effort that we should be putting forth at all times and that will make the difference. Being faithful to the Word of God, being faithful to prayer, being faithful to the house of God, being faithful in service, being faithful to get around other Christian influences, having the right Christian influences fill my head at all times. These are the things that I think God would say, you know, you're not ignorant anymore. You're not blind anymore. You know what to do. You know better. Just discipline yourself to do it. And I'll just share in closing my own personal testimony. Was that's how I overcame in my own life. It wasn't some secret formula. It wasn't trying harder. Because I failed when I tried. It was just getting back and doing what I knew God wanted me to do. And through that spiritual growth, I overcame my stinking thinking. And that's why, again, I'm so passionate about getting people into the Word and getting them to spiritually grow because our spiritual growth is what will help us more than anything else to overcome the things that are pulling us down and keeping us from being what God created us to be. When it comes right down to it, Peter's saying, it's all about Him. It's about becoming like Him. Being holy as He is holy. Is that the driving principle and force of our life? Or are we still trying to build our own kingdom on earth rather than living for His kingdom that is to come? It's a question only you can answer. Let's pray. God, we know, we know that you want to bring a clarity to our lives as your children, as your followers. You want things to be so clear that, that we literally can live our life with your eyes, with your perspective, seeing things as you see them. Lord, we know that we just can't sit back and expect You to do this all for us. Part of becoming like You is cooperating. It's becoming a a participant with You, not a spectator that just sits back and wants everything done for us. So God, help us today to commit to enter into the process that you want to begin in our lives or continue in our lives down this road of conforming us to the image of your son, Jesus. Because, Lord, we know that if we just would follow you and become like you, 
That that would be the goal? And that we would learn through your Spirit to pull our loose thoughts in and to gather all our thoughts into the obedience of Jesus Christ? Oh, Lord, what, what clarity. The clouds and the fog would begin to lift in our lives. And those clear blue skies would appear. God, help us to dedicate our lives to you. You didn't save us and die on that cross for us to live the rest of our lives living for ourselves. You saved us and died on that cross so that we could live for you and point others to you and impact others for eternity. Help us, Lord, to make our lives about you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.